Welcome to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast featuring conversations at the intersection of faith and life. I'm your host, Frank Granger, Minister of Christian Community. In May of 1920, the members of Athens Baptist Church left the church building located on the corner of Washington Street and College Avenue. A new structure was planned for a new location, the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. In September of 1921, the first services were held in the new sanctuary. 100 years later, in 2021, Members, friends, and guests continue to gather for worship, education, ministry, and mission. This podcast series celebrates our 100-year anniversary of being in this location by featuring stories and memories from a variety of our members. Some will stir your laughter, others may bring a tear or two to your face. Our fourth episode features Charles Adams and Donna Hopper. Here is my conversation with them. Let's begin our conversation with you sharing just a few little tidbits about how you came to this church and when you came to this church. My mother brought the three of us, Kathy, Drew, and I, here in, I guess it was 1967, and that we were coming from a very small farm in middle Georgia and came to a I thought the big city. This was the, the church itself was impressive to me. I was like, it was scary. She had come back to get her master's at Georgia after my father's death, and it was only supposed to be temporary. Oh. And the year ended, and she was off her position here at Georgia as an instructor, and we ended up, I was not happy. Oh, really? I was. I had a, a horse at home, and I was in the backyard, and I wanted to go back to my home. Oh, how and old were you? I was eight years old when we came. Oh. For me, it, initially, it was, I wasn't a happy person. Now, Drew and Kathy, were, they were happy. They had friends in the neighborhood. We lived in Five Points, and everything was great. They just thought it was wonderful, and I was the one who was out of sorts about it. Oh. So mother had to deal with that. Actually, ended up being probably the best thing that ever could have happened to our family. So you came at eight and I came never at eight left? and we, I've never left. No, I'm, I'm still here, raised my children here. And the ironic thing is that I thought of the three of us, I would be the one that moved away, but both of them moved away. Kathy came back and Drew still away and How honey, about that? got me back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love my city. I love Athens. I love this church. It was, it's just a special place to me. It's safe to me. Nice. How about you, Charles? My family moved here in 69 from Atlanta, and we took a couple of years visiting churches, and we spent some time at Beach Haven, and Mom had heard about Bob Farrell, choir oh, director. Okay. And so she kind of took the lead of us coming here. So that was about 71, 72. It seemed like it was a no-brainer for Mom uh -huh. with, with church and choir. She loved the music that he was performing, and three of my four sisters immediately joined the children's choirs and was active with that each week, and been here since then. Okay. So it's been a while. You were about what age? Almost about nine, nine or ten. Okay. Yes. That's pretty close in terms of the time in your life when you came here. Mm -hmm. 
if you came at eight and nine years old, I would imagine that some of the people who led worship, preachers, had an impact on your life at that age? Absolutely. I will say, when we first came, Dr. Giddings was still here. Okay. And that in itself was another reason I was so intimidated by this big church, was not him so much the speaking or anything. It was just the size of the crowds. Oh. They brought in all up and down our aisles. They would put folding chairs because there never was enough room in the sanctuary. Imagine a small little country church compared to this. It was huge. It was hard for me to Mm -hmm. accept. Later, Julian Cave was the one that came, and his approach was, well, first of all, he had three boys, and they were all around our age, and they were boys. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And to me, it was fun. They brought a lot of life to the church. (laughs) It was just a good time, because when I first came, there weren't many children. Then there were more and more young families with children, like y'all, came, and so it was... It was much more vital, you know, exciting to come to yeah. church and go to do the choir events and Sunday school and youth retreats and all that. It became vibrant. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. Mr. Cave was already here when we arrived, but I guess the person who had the impact was Bob Farrell because he was, at the time, I don't remember there being a youth group or children's, and Mr. Farrell did all of that. At that time, everybody that was in the choir was in the youth or children's. And so he was just, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else yeah. with the children's choir on church on Sunday. Honestly, we were his children. Okay. Yes. Miss Farrell. Yeah. The family. They treated us as if we were their children. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's really special. Who are some of the people that you heard preach or sing in this church that stand out to you? Calvin Smith is somebody that Mr. Farrell used to bring in, and he is just, I wanted to listen to him the whole service. He is that kind of a dynamic singer. He was from Athens originally, so that even made it more special that you had him to present at your church. So That's just somebody I remember. Well, I had Calvin also on my list, and I... He's the same age as I am. We graduated from Cedar Shoals together. Wow. I oh, wow. That. And he and I sang in the Coraliers at the high school together. So yeah. knowing Calvin and have him come and sing was just a blessing. Usually it was during Christmas mm-hmm. when he was home. Mm-hmm. Him coming and singing and the friendships that we had was just incredible. I remember a little bit of a preacher, uh, Truett Gannon. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because when we left Atlanta, he was the pastor at the church we were at in Decatur. So that was my very first person that I knew as a pastor. From that church in Decatur, I think he moved to Smoke Rise. Yes. And there was a few times that he came here, and it was so neat to hear him. But then just to check in afterwards and us visit and talk that he remembered the Adams family. So, um, <laughs> and it was just neat that someone from my younger years that I knew and he would come and share. Oh, that was a nice experience. Um, now one preacher that spoke here was not a pastor. One year, the Boy Scouts was doing a fall roundup and coach Rick came and spoke in the sanctuary. Yes, he did. It happened to be after the game where Georgia beat Auburn right at the end of the ball game with a catch. And he said, I'm glad he caught that boy because he was speaking 
like the next day or two here. <laughs> and he said, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But, but just different people, whether they were ministers or not, or singing, that just made that room so much more special mm-hmm. and neat that that occurred there. Tell me about any memorable moments you've had in that space. Some of those moments might be memorable because they were funny and unexpected, or some might be memorable because they had a really deep meaning. Mm-hmm. I can think of one that was, again, it's not like I'm preoccupied with that first year we came here, but I remember being in that big sanctuary and all the people. As not unusual, I would lay my head down in my mother's lap and fall asleep during the service. <laughs> and um, I remember the little black patent shoes I had on with a little heel, and there was no carpet under the, the seats at that time. And I evidently was in a very deep sleep, and my foot fell off the pew and landed on the floor, and the entire section was like jumped with what happened. And I was just so embarrassed and scared. And to me, I know it's not, it wasn't a big deal, but I was just petrified at what I had just messed up in front of everybody. But that's my funny story, I guess. you Almost traumatic. It was traumatic it? for me, but everybody else giggled at me, but... On Sundays, we always, the Adams, we sat down near the front on the organ side. And maybe I was 12, 13, a young one too. There was a family joining our church that lived down the street from us in Cedar Creek. The girl was a friend of mine, classmate. She had decided to join the church. And so she was up front. And Dr. Appleton asked if her parents were, where were they in the service? And I was so caught up in the service. When he asked that question, I stood up in the pew, and I knew they were in the balcony. That's where they always sat. And so I stood up, and I said, well, they're back there in the balcony. (laughs) And I looked over, and Dad just smiled at me, and I just sat, I just, I wanted to crawl. That was a fear that, never stand up and talk like that. And I think Dr. Applin actually heard me, but as a child... I was just petrified. But a serious one that has great meaning was, I believe it was about 92, maybe 93, deacon ordination. I had been chosen for the church. That day of the laying of hands, my father was here. My dad's father, Granddaddy Adams, came. And then Becky's father, my father-in-law, came from Atlanta to Athens for that service And all three of them were at the end of the line. And for them to come through, and every time we have a deacon ordination here at church, it's very emotional for me to sit and watch as the families progress. And even this year when we did it, and each of the candidates, their families came and stood with them. I thought, what a wonderful statement. I mean, to have that occur. I thought that was the neat to have that moment with your family like that. That's always just been very, very tender and very memorable to me. Yeah, that's a real crystallizing kind of moment. (sighs) Yes. And those just stay with you. You mentioned, too, that every time we have a deacon ordination, that really becomes alive for you again. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I think there are other kind of experiences in worship that we have that are like that. They will bring ones back from the past that were so significant and held a good bit of meaning. I personally think that on Christmas Eve, the service with the candlelight 
I remember the very first one because Dr. Appleton was here then and initiated it because we didn't have a Christmas Eve service all those years. It wasn't a very large group, the first few, because it just wasn't a tradition yet, really. Yeah. And when we stood in a circle and lit the church, the whole sanctuary up by getting into the aisles, that's how few there were. It was poignant. It was very special. Something I thought the other day was one of my great uncles, Uncle Frank, when he passed away, my Aunt Cleo gave me his pocket watch. And they lived over here off the boulevard, so they were from Athens. I used to sit up in the balcony when Dr. Appleton was here, and I would always time his morning prayers (laughs) with my new pocket watch. (laughs) And so after the service, I'd always come down in the greeting line, and I'd let him know (laughs) the time on his, his prayers. And his record was with Mother's Day. That was always the longest prayer. Really? How funny. Do you remember the time? No, I don't. I, <laughs> you just knew those were the longest Yeah, ones. those were the long ones. And I know many, many years later, I was helping out in the nursery during the Sunday morning service. It was right before Dr. Appleton retired, and he brought that up in his sermon. And he turned around to look into the choir for me, and of course I was downstairs, <laughs> As we came up out of the children's area, I had so many church members stop me and want to know this pocket watch. And I was like, how do you know? And, <laughs> and that's when I found out it was on the radio and <laughs> oh, that's so funny. with Dr. Appleton. But I mean, I listened to the prayer, but I just would keep an eye on that, mm-hmm. that watch. <laughs> and I still have the watch, but, but I don't bring it to church. Good. I feel better now. <laughs> Some of the things that you've talked about resonate with how special the space is. And sometimes we'll refer to a sanctuary as a sacred space. What makes that room sacred to you? I would say a lot of things. It's uh, it's a safe place. And there's so many memories that come from different events throughout my life that have been in that room. That's where the family is, and it's just not your family. It's all those people that you know, that you have grown up with and watched. And I remember when 9-11 occurred, we went to the church, and you you could just sit in the sanctuary quiet and feel safe Mm. and have a conversation with with God and feel the comfort. Mm. The way I see that sanctuary is it's a good place. I think being in the choir, as long as I have, my perspective from sitting up in the front looking out is just all the family, the faces, the memories that come. Sometimes different members will come back to visit, and I'll sit up there and be so excited. You know, there was one a couple of weeks ago that came to visit with he and his son, and it was like, yes. I don't know the sacred, it's just the, the special, the the weddings that yeah. we've had, two of my sisters, and unfortunately the funerals that we've had that have really brought us together as a church family, you know, the meetings after church, the things that have gone on in that room where we have come together, and we may not all agree, but, you know, we leave and 
it's good. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful room. And I guess thinking back when we were children, that's something mom and dad, this is not a playroom. This is, <laughs> this is where you come to worship and to listen and to sing and, and to be in God's presence. Yeah. And of course, that baptistry for years was always pretty impressive mm-hmm. up like it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you came, that baptistry was not was up the, high, was no. it? Where was the baptistry when you first came, it, Donna? If you're looking from the pew sitting out in the audience to the right, when they changed it over, Dr. Cave, that's where the pulpit went. But that's actually underneath it is the baptismal pool down below. Which now is somewhere near where the piano sits. Mm-hmm. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. During Julian Cave's time in 1970 is when the sanctuary was renovated. Right. Changed pretty significantly Mm -hmm. in the way the front really looked Mm -hmm. and how the choir extended back behind the columns. Mm -hmm. The great sequoias. The great sequoias, (laughs) as one of our former ministers called them. (laughs) I'd forgotten about the great sequoias. (laughs) You could not see around them, Mm -mm. and we learned you could not move them. (laughs) They were important, (laughs) not just decorative. Then a few years ago, we did another real major renovation in there and made some changes. You've seen a good bit of change in that room structurally, not just in terms of people. Amid all those kind of changes, what would you say are some things that really remain constant? The windows. They're special. When I was younger, they would, in the spring, I feel like it was on, on Easter or whatever, they'd open those windows. Oh. You could feel hmm. the breeze come through, but it, I was young. I don't even know if they can open them anymore, but they're the constant. They're always there. They haven't changed. And to me, what I remember is the chandeliers. Mm-hmm. And that one time, years ago, my Sunday school class, we had the opportunity to clean the um, globes. Mm-hmm. Cicero let the chandeliers down, which I had never seen that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to touch those globes, we were quite nervous. <laughs> but just they're magnificent. I mean, they're huge yeah. and just beautiful. I remember the first time I walked in the room, and it was one of those cleaning times, and I saw the chandeliers resting on the top of the pews. Mm-hmm. It was startling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know they could come down. Mm-hmm. Like that, and then it was just such a strange look. Yes. You've had some really memorable experiences and special times in there. What kind of experiences would you want other people to have? Off the top of my head, I would say I had my wedding there. And obviously, that was a very special time for me. Yeah. But recently had my daughter have her wedding in the same sanctuary. With all the weddings that people have now, you know, in destinations, etc., I didn't know what her wishes would be. And she simply said, well, I wouldn't imagine being married anywhere but in First Baptist Church. So to me, for Bill and I, that that was really special for us. I think what Donna mentioned earlier, being a part of that Christmas Eve service, that is always incredible. Even the year the the heater broke and the water was, (laughs) we still pulled it off. And I was thinking about the youth Sundays and the children's Sundays in the spring. Typically it's always neat to see the youth that step up and preach 
to see that part of our church, the different groups and the ages. Coming from a different perspective on that very thing, I, I remember before Bill and I had children and we're having the evening or morning services with the little ones singing, watching the moms and dads as they are. <laughs> yes. It just tickled me. And then when we had our own that were up mm-hmm. there, and now as someone who has no children at home, <laughs> it's like you just see the, the life of the mm-hmm. family. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. They're yes. still as special as they were way back when. Have you thought about some things that I haven't thought to ask you? Anything else you wanted to share? You know, one of the things that I think of a lot is when, because I was a part of the youth choir and it was everything for the youth in our church. When we performed to go to Europe, both of the times, in the sanctuary is sort of our going off, we're about to leave to go away to do this. The program, first of all, having the drums in the church was huge. I mean, (laughs) that in itself was huge. And there were some people, older people in the church, that were not really happy about that. I just remember them, when you finished that experience as the performer, and then the church stood up and gave a standing ovation, it was special. It was really unique and unexpected. Yeah, That's another memory that I have that's special for me. You mentioned in Europe, the year we came back in 84, Dr. Hale had asked all of us to bring our change. And at that time, you had Lyra and Marx and all the different countries and to put that money in the offering plate oh. on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so that Sunday we came back, it was so interesting. It'd be real quiet. And then all of a sudden you hear this handful of change drop in the <laughs> offering and everybody would, you know, we knew mm-hmm. what it was mm-hmm. and it was just a neat, mm-hmm. neat way to finish that mm-hmm. trip off. I don't know what kind of money was in there, but it was just to hear it mm-hmm. and just a reminder of where we had been and what we had just done that experience was really neat, and we laughed. That was good. I don't know who the treasurer was. I feel sorry for him. Oh. <laughs> sure, they had fun. Yes, mm-hmm. and that certainly sounds like something Bill Hale would have done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they mentioned that too as they were counting the checks. <laughs> but one other special thing that I had just recently in the last few years was my mother singing soprano, Becky's my wife singing alto. Christopher singing baritone and I'm singing bass and to have that much family mm-hmm. in the choir at one time as it was getting where Christopher was finishing school and mom was getting to where she couldn't come and sing I started realizing how precious mm-hmm. and how special to have family like that to be able to participate in the sing I mean obviously music is a very very big piece of our family I'm talking about my sisters and and even Becky's family, too. I mean, to have those kind of memories of doing that, memories of youth choir Mm -hmm. on Sunday night. We sang every Sunday night for the evening service. Mm -hmm. So we had to be ready. I think just having that was just another way to reach us and and to be a part of it. So music has been very, very big in that sanctuary and part of this church. Mm -hmm. It really has in a college town that has a good bit of movement. We don't always recognize and think about multiple generations still being in the church, but this church has had a number of families that have multiple generations. What a great experience having three generations in the choir mm-hmm. singing together. Okay, let's do a little lightning round. Uh-oh. 
communion. When I was little, you didn't have communion until you had joined the church. And so, again, I have a lot to say about that first year in church. My mother, at the end of the year when she decided we're going to stay in Athens, she had discussed with us, do we want to join this church? And Drew and I had never joined a church, and Kathy had to change her, I don't know what you do when you... Move your letter. Move your letter. So Drew and Kathy, mother, decided they wanted to join the church. Well, I wasn't giving in because I still wasn't sure that I couldn't convince <laughs> them we are not You're still stay. holding I out. I was holding you? out. So for me, I sat there on our pew, and they all participated in communion, and I was not. It was a statement of sorts in not the right way. That's, that's my memory of communion as a child. It's changed since then. It's changed. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, I remember when communion... When we had the baptistry and the altar table up front in the sequoias, that the deacons would line up there on the altar area, and then they would dispense. And I thought I was the guy because I figured out. It seemed like all the deacons came back up at the same time. It was like they had practiced or something. But I learned it was Dr. Appleton. He would cross his hands in front of him, and that was the signal. And I thought, man. (laughs) You're in the know. I'm in the know. I thought that was so cool. That's what came to mind. Children's choirs. Well, it's always fun to see whose children won't sing. (laughs) (laughs) And typically, they are the ones that probably are the most active during choir and not the right way. And I do believe that might have been my son, perhaps, never sang up there in front of the church when it was time for the children's choir to sing. That's my little memory of thinking about, I wonder the ones that don't want to sing, they really don't want to sing and they'd rather be misbehaving somewhere. (laughs) I just remember busy, active, a lot of movement. And I know I was right in the middle of it, but (laughs) it was fun. And just hearing them sing. Baptism. Well, I think Julie has already alluded to this in a prior podcast, but those of us who did join the church during the years that we were renovating, there was no baptismal pool, so we couldn't be baptized during that time. So we had kind of a larger group of people ready to be baptized when they opened the sanctuary. So Julie Massey, Julie Smith now, was the first to be baptized in the baptismal pool up on the ceiling, as we (laughs) called it. I was the second one. And it really was sort of like you felt like we special. We yeah. we are opening up the doors to this baptismal pool, so to speak. And it was really high up. It was high up. Yeah, and you stood in a chair in the center of it to be <laughs> dipped <laughs> because you wouldn't have been seen otherwise. I just remember being baptized in my sister Judy the same night and my best friend Mitch Finley and his sister was the same age as my sister Judy, so the four of us it was just special in that way that we got to experience that together. Funerals? I think of the Haygoods and the service that we had for their son. That was a very hard one, very difficult. I felt like the love and support that was in, because we were in the choir loft, that sanctuary was full. Mm-hmm. And just the emotions that ran that day was very hard. And I know when Miss Brooks... Uh, David's mother passed away. We left a chair open in the choir for her. Oh, yeah. I mean, that wasn't a funeral, but her passing and we recognizing that she was not there that Sunday. And then recently with Mr. Farrell's, Mm -hmm. and we closed the youth choir 
we closed with May the Road Rise to Meet You. That's a hard one to get mm-hmm. through. But even though they were very difficult, it was a very special. I mean, I'm very glad that we were able to be there and be a part of that. Mr. Farrell's was a, a special <laughs> service. And I think the song itself is, for my family, it's our song, our prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we used that song at my mother's funeral here. Oh, neat. And McGee's wedding. <laughs> I know. Well, it was my, you know, when your children were little, I would sing that one as a lullaby mm-hmm. for them. So it's a special song for us. There's so much that happens in that room and so much emotion that it holds. Sometimes it holds it for us, I think. Funerals are those ways when it is able to hold and support a lot. You make me think about that. Christmas. Handel's Messiah, with Mr. Farrell leading us. Coming to church on a Christmas day, and I think there was one year that was freezing. It's always cold to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just the, the thought of coming to church on Christmas Day. As a child or a teenager, it was like, no, we got to stay at home. This is you Christmas. Know, oh, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a special, special day to be in that room on mm-hmm. Christmas Day. Thank you all. I've enjoyed hearing about your experiences. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our series recognizing the 100-year anniversary of being on the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. On Sunday, November 7, All Saints Sunday, we will make special recognition of this centennial mark. Listen next week to our fifth episode in this series featuring Allison Cunningham and Chess Smith.